psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third story window psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing they open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong we don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison cognitive liberty the fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Where's the perception? Information is power, but we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. interested in being regulated by the state, manipulated by the state. The state should stand down. good feels good anyway welcome welcome to a new episode of mike adelic of course it's me mike that's my name and the adelic part see how that works mike psychedelics i'm very creative (laughs) hope everybody's doing really well out there especially in these turbulent crazy times that we that we live in nowadays but um yeah, I mean, if you're able to somehow escape the thick, gelatinous coat of the matrix of mainstream media and political propaganda, well, good for you. That's that's what we need. We need free-thinking individuals like yourself, um, and thank you for choosing this podcast. Thank you for coming and joining and listening and uh you know even if you don't fully i just want you know basically want to clarify i mean you know the show um is about a lot of different things but like i try to make really really clear i mean really the focal point is cognitive liberty cognitive freedom um mind rights the right to control our own minds And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that play into that. There's a lot of components that go into that. You know, drugs is is a major 
part of that, but this isn't, you know, the, the show isn't necessarily only for people who uh, are interested in drugs or psychedelics or weed or pot or whatever. I mean, that's cool. If you're into that stuff, great. We got that. We got some things for you. But if you're not into the, interested in that kind of stuff, well, we got some things for you too. And that's exactly what I want to do. I want to keep it open. I want to keep it available to everybody because these these issues that we're discussing nowadays in this modern time that we live in where we, we live in this kind of insane global village. You know, Marshall McLuhan used to always talk about the global village, the connected community. And I mean, it's just crazy. I just don't think that we that our meat sacks, our human bodies and brains were ever meant to handle this amount of people uh, interacting and being exposed to on a, on a continual basis, the way that this kind of social media internet society that's been set up, this global um, internet realm has been set up. It's, it's very, uh, it can be very mentally taxing and exhausting on you. Um, so it's good to kind of step outside of that a little bit, you know, and just uh, try and see things from a point of view that isn't from the perspective of a team or a group or a association or a CCYD basketball league, whatever, whatever your affiliation, whatever, however you identify. Uh, whatever meaning that you grab onto to help make sense of this world that we live in, try and step out of that, you know, try and step out of that. This is not um, a show for, or, you know, the topics that we discuss in the show are not for strictly a certain set of people. This is just for everybody. This is for humanity, you know, it doesn't matter if you're liberal. It doesn't matter if you're uh, conservative. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican, a Democrat, an independent, a member of the Green Party, a Muslim, a Jew. Um, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you are any of those things. Those things are meaningless to me. Sure, of course, they have meaning in our kind of physical world, but what I'm talking about is higher than all of those things. No pun intended. <laughs> I'm talking about, I want to talk about the right to experience a world that we all deserve, a world that we all should strive for and want to live in. And that is a world of peace, a world of peace, a world of happiness, a world of uh, fun, right? Whatever happened to that, right? Is fun bad? And, you know, so obviously there was a terrible tragedy that happened recently. And <clears throat> I do another podcast with uh, comedian Dave Smith. We, uh, part of the problem. And we, you know, we, we, we were talking about that last week and I'm sure we're going to talk about it uh, or earlier this week rather. And we're going to talk about it again. 
um, because it's just so prevalent. It just keeps coming up. It just keeps happening in this kind of weird theatrical event style way. Doesn't seem to go away. It just keeps pressing on, and uh, you know that it's um, it's terrible. It's horrible. Anytime that there's a loss of human life, a terrible tragedy. But sure enough, after something like this happens, there's agendas that that get put out into the open, and you know, think this gets politicized immediately. Because people want to say, this is the reason why this happened. This, you know, it's guns. And then they'll, they'll do all kinds of great research and studies. Look at how the amount of weapons that are sold and the amount of weapons and this and that and everything. And I'm not going to get too much into this particular topic, but I want to talk about what is it about because we'll talk about this on part of the problem. So if you want to know more about the shooting and, and all that kind of stuff, tune into part of the problem. We, we are live. Well, you're not going to be able to hear this. But for future reference, we're live at 6 p.m. Eastern time, Mondays and Fridays, on gasdigitalnetwork.com. But we, you know, what is wrong with our culture? Because... The, you know, the political landscape that we, that the political and media class, they, you know, the, the, the ones that are kind of the omnipresent Big Brother-esque uh, aura that they are, they're constantly giving off. The glow from the TV that's constantly on in most American homes and uh, public places and things like that with CNN anchors, and Fox News, breaking story, this and that. And Obama coming on, oh, this is the, oh, another time that I had to address this. And so it's this, you know, this kind of message that keeps getting repeatedly pushed into our brains. But what is it about our culture that we allow this kind of thing to happen? You know, because the media and political class are, refle- are a reflection of the culture. They can only do what we allow them to do. You know, why do we allow them? Why do we give up our our individual rights to these, you know, like false gods, these, these authority figures that they don't know shit. They don't know anything. The only thing they know is they want to make money off of you they want to have control over you. They don't care about you. And if you think for a second that they do, I mean, it's just a symptom of, of you're just, it's an unfortunate symptom of the disease. You know, you have, you've been indoctrinated. It's a form of Stockholm syndrome. You know, you, you worship the, the, the captor. I wish I could say that I kind of could relate to that. I just unfortunately never felt that way. I've always, since I was born, I've always questioned authority. I've always asked, why do I have to do things and why do I have to listen to you? Uh, Just, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be like a a fucking rebel without a cause, man. Like, I'm 
that's just the way I was born. I just don't, I can't explain it. I don't know. You know, actually my parents are completely different from, from the way that I am. So I don't know where the fuck I came from. I don't know what shaped that attitude about me, but, um, I don't know. When we're born, I mean, we're automatically entered into kind of a hierarchical situation. I mean, we kind of have to be. We're born, you know, then we have, we look at our parents, they tell us, you know, what to do and things like that. But it's with looking for a good, you know, it's always in our best intentions, hopefully, if you have good parents. But unfortunately, we, when we're born into this situation, or into this uh, predicament. You know, we look to our parents there for guidance, for, for, for trust, for, you know, showing us the way to tell us how things are, you know, it's almost like being born is kind of almost like uh, you're, you know, you're, you're arriving late to a party and you show up and you're like, Oh, what's the, wow. Show me around, introduce me to some people. What's the deal here? What's this, What's going on? What can I do? What kind of situation is this? We don't know, because we don't know otherwise, right? How would we? So, we look to our parents. Those are, that's the first authority figure in our, li- in our lives. Very important. Very important to recognize this. Very important to have loving, caring parents. However, sometimes those parents weren't a product of loving, caring childhoods themselves. Sometimes those parents also are, not sometimes, most of the time, all the time. I mean, if you're born in America, there's certain kinds of rules and regulations that you have to follow as a parent. So the, our parents have parents, you know, the, as the state. So they have these people this group of people that call themselves the the government that invade their personal lives and tell them what they can and can't do all under the guise of protecting you know <laughs> protecting people doing what's good you know good-natured good-intentioned rules and i got an argument the other day actually with someone on twitter uh, they asked me if I, w- I thought heroin should be legal. I said, yeah, of course. All drugs should be legal. And they said, do you really want to live in a world? Well, that's always the, I always get that. Like, do you, let me see if I could pull up the actual conversation. Yeah, so he goes, uh, what are your thoughts on legalizing heroin? I said, legalize it, legalize all drugs. Because you want to live in a world where heroin is easily obtainable, it's aspirin. You have no knowledge of addiction. I go, mm, well, I never said that. First of all, heroin already is easily attainable. I'm not sure if you're aware, but we have a uh, quote-unquote heroin epidemic in this country. Basically, heroin use has been on the rise since, um, I was looking at this chart, since 2001, uh, heroin use has been has increased like dramatically. Um, call me crazy, but uh, I think the, the <laughs> I think there might be a correlation between the increased use of uh, of heroin 
in the United States and something to do with the United States being in Afghanistan for the past 15 years. Because that is the number one production. That's where the number one production of, uh, of heroin is in Afghanistan. That's where the the poppy fields are. But uh, anyway, call me crazy. That, that's just me. I mean, I just had a, had a thought. Maybe it had something to do with it. But ad, but drug addicts shouldn't be uh, locked in cages for doing drugs, right? I mean, if you want to put something in your body that's not good for you, uh, you should be able to do that. I mean. It's, it should, we, we're, we, sh, you know, other people should be allowed to say, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that. But nonetheless, I mean, you should be able to do that. I, I gave an example. So basically, what I was saying to him was, you know, I don't, I, I believe that this is a, a moral issue. I don't believe that people should be, I don't believe heroin, you know, or all drugs should be illegal. I, I believe they should all be legal because I don't believe that you should use the threat of violence against peaceful people who are not doing any harm to anybody else but are choosing to do something that may not be good for them. I don't think that those people deserve to have violence thrust upon them. But I think we should try and help those people if they're addicts. If you see somebody in your in their, you know, tearing themselves apart and really just messed up with addiction and things like that. I think that we should try, you know, as good as if you want to be a good person, if you want to be a moral person, you know, being a, a good person, it feels good. I feel good when I do good. And that's why I do good. I get joy out of helping other people. I mean, it's, it's a good thing to do. I feel good about it. <laughs> I mean, we're all self-interested people here where everybody is self-interested. We're, we're all, that's how the world works. Self-interest, incentive, feeling good, motivated, you know, that's what motivates us. But um, anyway, so I was telling this guy this, and, uh, you know, one of the other things that I, that I brought up was, look, you know, there's a lot of things that are bad for you. You think we should ban them? Should we make them illegal? Should we make cheeseburgers and Snickers illegal? Should we make the sun illegal? Like, that can cause cancer. Right? Should we block out the sun? Like uh, Frederick Bastia has a great satirical essay, um, Petition to the Candle Makers. And uh, he says that, uh, you know, this is, this is crazy. You know, the sun, it's putting candle makers out of business. You know, we should block out the sun. It's, it's pretty funny. Uh, but it's got a good point. It's, you know, he, uh, so then he comes back to me, he says, you got to protect people from themselves because not everybody is well off as you. Not everybody can make the best decision for themselves. Wait, what? Not everyone can make the best decision for themselves. So you're saying that people can't even make the best decision for themselves. And yet you want those people to go and make decisions for other people. Hmm. Interesting. You can't even make decisions that are good for yourself, yet you want to go out and make decisions that you think are good for other people. Hmm. Most of the evil in the world comes from other people who think that they know better 
and want to dictate what other people should do. Comes from people, you know, that, and that's how you rally support for your cause, too. That's how, you know, guys like Hitler rise to power. They rise to power by unifying everybody with well-meaning, good-intentioned causes and, you know, signaling out uh, an enemy, one clear enemy. Because the reality of life is there's a multitude of problems. I mean, it's extremely complex. You know, there's, there's causes and effects. There's fundamental underlining symptoms. But if you can just pinpoint one thing and just say, that's the enemy, then you can unite and you can rally people and you can say, we're the ones that are doing good. We're the ones that are helping. We're protecting people. We're saving people. Mm-hmm. Sure you are. <laughs> anyway, so this, this, this uh, argument with this guy went on uh, Twitter for a while. You know, I, you know, chart after chart that I was sending him, right? The leading causes of, of death in the United States. Done uh, a study done by John Hops, uh, Hopkins uh, University researchers. Heart disease, right? That's it's heart disease, cancer, and the third one, medical error. Uh oh, medical error. Well, looks like we got to replace those doctors with robots. You know, ban doctors. <laughs> Heart disease kills 614. Is this in the thousands or millions? Let's see here. Thousand, right? Okay. Um, 614,348 deaths per year. Cancer, 591,699. Medical error, almost 300,000 for medical error. 251,454. Medical error. So those are the top three. Then respiratory disease, accidents, stroke, Alzheimer's, diabetes, flu, and pneumonia. Wow, that's surprising. 55,000 flu and pneumonia. Then we have kidney disease and then suicide. 42,773 suicide. So I said to him, I said, look, you know, Heroin overdose doesn't even check in on this list. I looked it up. Uh, heroin, I think heroin overdose, or, or I think a total. I think the number was total number of. Oh, I don't want to get this wrong. I think it was total number of drug overdoses was something like eleven thousand um, per year. Let me just check on that. Oh, right. Because prescription, the prescription uh, over... Okay, so yeah. Interestingly enough, the first thing that came up was uh, marijuana, cannabis, zero. I mean, zero. It just goes to show you that when people are making the argument uh, for marijuana, that clearly the state has other agendas in mind, you know? I mean, all of the, you know, the, no, the zero amount of deaths, all the benefits. It's not like they don't understand this stuff. It's that they have other motives. They have other agendas. There's a lot of people making money off of uh, the war on drugs. 
which we'll get to in a second because today I think is the 45th anniversary since um, evil Richard Nixon declared a, a war on drugs. Oh, we gotta stop public enemy number one. You know, there's these damn crooks that are robbing our society and they're all on drugs. Meanwhile, let's just go bomb the shit out of Asian people in Vietnam. <laughs> Yet we gotta, we gotta ban drugs because... They're all against the war. You got to be for the war. We need you in the right controlled consciousness. Programmed. No opposition. Ah. That's that's what it is. That's what that's what it is. That's what they they want. So let's look. Let's take a look at some numbers um, for some stuff. And I made a video. Uh, I made a video about this and I put it up on YouTube um, not too long ago. Uh, it was basically, you know, just about about the war on drugs and 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 things like that. And I wrote a little article about it too. But let's see. So, you know, what do we have here? Like alcohol, right? I remember there was a point in the back in the GOP debates I was watching when uh, Carly Fiorina was, was, you know, giving a, a passionate plea. You know, these some of these Republicans they they talk the same way about drugs that the you know, lefties talk about, uh, Democrats talk about, uh, guns, you know, <laughs> it's the thing that the person chooses to use that kills them. So let's get upset about that thing. Not the person's behavior, not the person's personal choice to do it, not the person's desire to let's get mad at the thing they use. Right. So, yeah, let's if that's that's your rationale, then let's ban everything. Let's just live in a sterile, white, clean environment like uh, that Lucas, George Lucas, movie two eight THX 138, you know, some kind of nightmarish Orwellian dystopia where we're, we're all just, you know, we we all we don't even eat anymore. We just take nutrition pills, mm, you know. No thought other than sanctioned opinions. Go to work. Go to sleep. Procreate. Anyway, so the 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 stats, you know, the stats. It just for, they don't care about the stats, but I'm going to mention it anyway, right? So uh, alcohol, right? What are the, what's the what are the alcohol deaths per year? Alcohol kills about eighty eight thousand deaths per year, which is, by the way more than double the amount of deaths from firearms. Ah, interesting. Interesting. So alcohol kills 88,000 people a year, more than double the amount of deaths uh, by firearm. And might I add, the firearm deaths are about 32,000, um, which about, I think it's twenty to 22,000 of those deaths um, are suicide from firearm. That leaves another like 20,000 ways that people are committing suicide that aren't from guns. So go figure. Which is, by the way, that's your right. If you want to check out, check out. You want to cash in your chips? If you're just looking around and you're just like, hey, this, I'm done with this. This is not for me. You know, I've thought about it before. I've thought about it a lot. I mean, I think about life and death all the time. It's constantly on my mind. 
because it's just I just find this existence to be so crazy. And I'll just say that that is one of the things that that psychedelics can do for you and has done for me. And I'll, I'll you know the death that psychedelics cause is the ego death. Get that get that ego out of the way. Get that thing that's in there that's blocking you from seeing the truth. You know, there's a lot of bias that is is occurring in in your just by the amount of years that you've been alive since you've been born to your parents in that hierarchical authoritarian situation to then being turned over to the state to be reprogrammed and indoctrinated with uh, propaganda told what's good what's bad what to do what not to do that that whole thing so it takes a lot sometimes you know it takes it takes a lot to kind of rip all that garbage out of you and start over again you know see the see the world again through a new set of eyes um i like um there's this quote i forget who it was but it was uh someone said I want to, I don't want to, I want to travel the world and see every, and see everything, but I also want to see it from the perspective of everyone else's eyes as well. Something like that. I don't know. There's some kind of quote that I thought was really cool. It's just, you know, different perspectives. So taking psychedelics, I think, does that. You know, it's it's able to kind of jolt you back into your kind of natural state when you were born, when you were a happy, loving baby, born laughing and experiencing all this wonder and curiosity and the magic of the world and, and everything. I mean, we, we all remember what it was like, right? I mean, even if you had a bad childhood, you still remember a point in time where you just experienced life as as a, as a being just laughing and loving and playing and touching and curiosity and wonder and everything was magical and you know psychedelics kind of brings you back to that starting point and says okay all right ready to reboot the system reboot it okay take a look at the world again what do you think holy shit <laughs> whoa as Bill Hicks says, man, I just squeegeed my my third eye clean. This place looks a, a lot crazier, you know. Things look a lot different, you know. The, the 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 when you watch the media, you know, when you watch when I watch these politicians, I watch the media. You know, I don't buy into the fucking fear and the bullshit they they peddle. It's all fake. It's all nonsense. They're a bunch of hysterics. They're a bunch of they're fearful themselves. You know, a lot of them too. You know. I think I think a lot of these people in power, you know, as uh, C. Wright Mills, author C. Wright Mills, described in his book, The Power Elite, a lot of these people are just afraid and scared. They, there's, you know, they're also sociopaths. They're also psychopaths, and they're also true believers. You know. There's a lot of those. And then there's there's just there's people that are just really like evil, just nefarious, like bad motherfuckers. So it's a combination of of all of those things, you know. But anyway, so back to the 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 deaths and stuff, the stats. I mean, prescription drugs, like almost thirty thousand deaths a year from prescription drugs. 
I mean, you know, so like who is trying to protect who and what does that even mean? Yeah, okay, we're going to protect you from these these wonderful, these beautiful mind expanding, consciousness elevating plant fungi natural universally connected loving spiritual epiphany inducing awe inspiring quote unquote drugs those you're not allowed you're not allowed we don't want you to to be using those things so we'll demonize them, we'll propagandize them, we'll, we'll make it evil, we'll, we'll tie it to, to nasty things, we'll demean them, you know. But then you can go ahead and you can, you know, go to see your doctor and he'll write you a prescription. Lickety split for whatever, whatever you want. Oxycodone, Oxycontin. You know, we talked about this on a couple episodes back. Prince, you know, overdosed on that kind of stuff. Pain medication. I mean, it's huge. Huge. Big business. Big business. So who's the real, you know, we talk about the, the drug dealers and, the, and the, the evil, the bad people. I mean, what, you know, who's really, who's the really the bad ones, right? Like you always see like in the movies and stuff, like they, 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 we got to get them, you know, traffic, uh, all those movies like the, the evil drug cartel you know they have drugs and they have guns okay then we also have the state and big pharma working together they have drugs they have guns so you know who's in the wrong here what's the I don't understand exactly why are some good why are some bad now <clears throat> Obviously, I mean, I'm, you know, it's kind of a rhetorical question, I know, but this is about cognitive liberty. The moral, the moral issue here is: should you use force? Should you, should you use force? Should you use violence on another person because they are choosing to ingest a, a plant? Because they're cho they're choosing to put something into their body. They're choosing to alter their consciousness in a certain kind of way that doesn't meet your approval? Is that okay to lock someone in a cage like a fucking animal because you don't like their personal choices? I don't think so at all. I mean, I know so. That is not okay. And uh, so I was arguing with this guy on Twitter and, um, you know, I said to him basically, you know, I was like, look, man, if I want to shoot heroin into my dick hole, it's my fucking right to do that. No one's going to tell me what's best for me. If I want to do it, I'm going to do it. Are you going to come and stop me? I love the example. I think Joe Rogan gives this example where he's like, if we were on like a desert island and there's only three of us. And two of us decided we're going to go smoke some pot. And one of them was like, and one, and one of the guys was like, no, nah, I don't want you smoking pot. And he pulled a gun on, on the two of us. And he was like, you know, and he built a little cage and he was like, get in there. Like, <laughs> 
obviously we don't overpower him, you know, because there's two of us. But that, I mean, that is just so insane to me. No, I don't want you doing that. Not okay. Not on my watch. Now there is something to be said about doing these kinds of things in in the public space. You know, I mean, one of the things that the guy said to me was, "Do you really want to live in a world where?" this is acceptable behavior or whatever it's available you know my thing to him was it's already available i mean if you want to get you can get whatever you want i mean this applies to anything right i mean i wrote an article about this on on uh, voices of liberty and it's on also on my blog as well at mikebrank.com but look i mean we saw what were the results of prohibition with alcohol right i mean Tremendous increase in, in crime, gang, organized gang activity, murder rates through the roof. It had the opposite effect. It, it made things way worse. And it destroyed our, our, our way of life, like our culture, you know. So the war on drugs is, has been the same thing. You know, the, the gun, gun thing, the gun argument is the same thing. People are going to get bad things if they want if they want to do bad things they're going to find a way to do it uh, i love this example from the simpsons also where um i think like lisa were, wishes for world peace they they find it was like one of the halloween episodes so she there's like a monkey paw and she wishes for world peace and world peace is achieved every nation holds hands gets together decides they're going to throw their guns away they burn all their guns they throw their guns away so nobody has guns then these aliens from space, they see this and they go, finally, the people of Earth are disarmed. Let's go take over, Kodos. And they go down there and they take over. They enslave them. You know, they throw, uh, I think someone sent me like a meme of this too on like Facebook or something. But they enslave them. They rule over them because they have no more weapons. Then... I think she gets another wish or maybe they give it to Ned Flanders and he gets a wish and he goes, well, I guess, you know, I'd like those awful aliens to go away. So he wishes for the, the aliens to go away. So you see someone running that Mo running Mo Sislak running down the street with a, a board with a nail in it. And the famous line is quick run Kodos. He's got a board with a nail in it and they fly away and they're like, soon the humans will build Bigger boards with bigger nails. Soon they'll build a board with a nail so big they'll destroy themselves. Ah ha ha ha. But the point there is, I mean, it's like, yeah, you get rid of guns. I mean, fine. So they're, you know, crime with knives is going to increase or something. You know, they're, you get rid of you get rid of drugs somehow. You you you're fi- you're able to, you know vanquish all of the resources on earth so there's no production of drugs or no growing of plants or whatever it is people will do something else and we've already seen i mean i already showed the stat the stats before you know drugs are not nearly as big enough a problem as what they've been created to be the big problem is from the war on drugs The war on drugs, that is the problem. So, you know, it's really a war on people. And more specifically, it's like a disproportionate war on people of color, brown people. It's just a, it's an absolute massive failure 
it it doesn't decrease the use of drugs. In fact, it, the dr- use of drugs has has uh, increased since 1971, since uh, Nixon in, declared this a war. And you know, just the very nature of the language. You know, always pay attention to what the state uses, the state, and the and you know what the media what they use. They use the word war like it's a war on drugs. It's a battleground. You know, it just sounds, you know, violent, you know. <laughs> it sounds like men with guns and, you know, we're, we got to stop these evil people because they're killing our children. You know, they're selling drugs to our communities and their children are dying. Okay, so who who is incentivized to keep the drug war going? I mean, the state is clearly incentivized to keep the war on drugs going. That's why you can show them all these facts and figures, all this information, all these stats, all this data, all these scientific studies, all this stuff. doesn't matter. War on drugs is good for business. It makes them money. They, they get to steal $51 billion a year. Or, well, obviously, they're, they're, you know, the state, you know, our taxation is theft. So they steal our money and they spend $51 billion a year on this war on drugs. Now, what is that? Like, what is that for, right? I mean, police departments get it. You know, the, the FBI gets it. All these bureaus and agencies and, you know, the, the DEA and, you know, the, the prison industrial complex now. You know, people are incentivized to write tickets for offenses, to arrest people, reach quotas, you know, send people to jail, lock them up. And we talk about this all the time on Part of the Problem. We, we have the America, for the, being the freest country in the world, has the highest incarceration rate in the world. We lock up something like one and a half million people a year for nonviolent drug offense, uh, offenses in air quotes I mean it's insane it's just completely insane but we tolerate it you know what I mean we we tolerate it because I think for the most part in my personal opinion in my life experience you know I grew up in a white predominantly white suburb predominantly Jewish white suburb um, of New York. And it just was easy as fuck to get whatever you wanted at any time, no matter what. I did like, I think the first time I did ecstasy, I was like 14. (laughs) Now, the problem is, I mean... These drugs can kill. These drugs can be bad. But the thing is, it's because they're not regulated. They're not, there's no, like, there's no, there's no free market regulation. There's no, like, Yelp, you know, for drugs. I mean, there was, you know, the Silk Road, you know, some places on the dark web. And that is just a fantastic fucking example of how the free market works to self-regulate and self-govern. Ratings and reviews, especially now in, a, in this global village, like I talked about before, we're all socially sharing and interconnected on the web. I mean, the cream rises to the top. People leave reviews and ratings and stars. People donate money to you if you think that you're doing a good job. People want to advertise with you, fund your business, this sort of thing. I mean, if drugs were, were decriminalized and legalized, 
you, you can have this. And we're already starting to see examples of this. I mean, I go on websites like Leafly and things like that to check what kinds of strains of, of marijuana are good and what people are saying about them. And in, in places like Colorado and Washington, you can just walk into stores and you can buy them like a regular fucking human being, like a person, like a, like a, like a person that's shown dignity, the dignity of the individual, you know, is, is honored by having us make free choices. What we want to do with ourselves, with our own life experience with our own consciousness, our own mind. So I just think we don't, a lot of us don't really care to like really demand a change. You know, Bernie Sanders talks about this political revolution. It's not a political revolution. It can't be a political revolution if you're operating within the confines of the system that you're opposing. That's not how it works. You don't you don't declare to the mafia boss that you're going to oppose him and then live to to oppose him within the organization. They're going to take you out unless they see you as not being a real threat. Oh yeah, okay. Which is what they they don't see him as being a real threat because he's he's a pussy. Soft serve. But if if we wanted to have real change, then if the culture wanted real change, if the people wanted real change, we would demand it. Unfortunately, a lot of people have just been indoctrinated into this fear model, you know, this this just paranoid, afraid model, this way of thinking where it's like, wait, there's, there's bad stuff going on, so we got to stop it. You're not going to stop it. You're not going to reduce it. The numbers show. The facts, it's just a fact of life. People are going to do what they want to do. No matter what. Never going to change. Never going to change. It's only going to make people go insane. (laughs) You know, it's only going to make people lose their fucking minds, possibly get addicted to something else and, and do things that are even worse than smoking pot or eating mushrooms or whatever. I mean, look at the, I look at the Middle East a lot of times and I think, you know, the, the, the power structure in that area is that kind of religion, the religion and, and the government working together to kind of enforce the, excuse me, law of the land to dictate, you know, how to shape the culture over there. I mean, I look at them and I think a lot of the times, I mean, maybe this isn't a, maybe what we're seeing with, uh, radical Islamic terrorism is an appropriate reaction to living in a fucking hell hole that just gets bombed and shot and blown up all the time. Meanwhile, you're sexually repressed because you can't even, you know, your women are walking around with bags over their faces and, and you can't even watch porn. It's illegal. You can't let loose and have a, a drink of alcohol. You can't, there's no weed. There's no, no mushrooms or nothing like that. I mean, that's you, you it's like keeping a rat in a cage and 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 poking him with a stick and the stick is you know drone drone strikes or whatever i mean it's crazy to me it's absolutely crazy to me but like i was saying before i mean i th- i think that the reason why we don't and when i say we i mean like for myself from my personal experience like average well to do middle-class, white, suburban-raised individuals, 
we don't feel it. Like we're not going to like, you know, we're not going to like show up in, in masses of like hundreds of thousands of people to demand change because we can all get drugs and we don't get arrested for them for the majority of us. So in our minds, we're going, well, whatever. Yeah, it's fucked up. I know, right? Isn't that fucked up? Million and a half people locked up for nonviolent, locked in cages like animals, treated like set, treated like shit, kidnapped, taken away from their loved ones. I remember reading a story about a a guy, a black guy in New Orleans. He had two joints on him. Thirteen years, he's locked up for locked in a cage. Thirteen years. I've been caught. I've been caught with weed on me. I saw a friend of mine get arrested by the cops, maced in the face for having, uh, I think it was like two ounces of weed on him. I don't know. I don't really even know what happened. Maybe he had like a little probation or something. He's, he's fine, alive and well. No time spent in jail. Maybe one night. But why? It's because he's white. He lives in the suburbs. Cops over there make like a hundred grand a year. You know? He's got the resources to defend himself or whatever. But real change, real change can ha- is is only going to happen when um, you know we see people being affected by this. On you know when you when you lose this ability to have your your freedom, you know, in that, in that way. But. Real, like, real freedom, real help for people that are suffering. It's, it's not going to come from politicians. It doesn't come from the top down, you know. It's just not going to happen. We're not going to, we're not going to get any answers from, from them for sure. And they're not going to, there's no law they can pass. There's no thing that they can do. But I think we should follow Portugal's model. Portugal, I think it was about, I think about 15 years ago, around 2001, that they put in place um, a decriminalization model where, and, you know, the, basically like, you know, drugs are decriminalized. If somebody's caught with, with uh, doing drugs in like a public place or something like that, you know, they're able to go there. You know, there's, there's programs that they set up. So, you know, one time I got criticized for offering like statist solutions, but look, we have a government, we have a state right now. I don't want to add any more bureaus or agencies or anything like that. I think the private sector can fill this demand, but for the state minded people out there, you know, Portugal has set up, government-run facilities, injection centers, places where addicts can go, they can get help, they can get treatment. I mean, that's what you that's what should be done. I mean, if there's people that are abusing drugs, I mean, look, like we have alcoholics anonymous, right? We have like gamblers anonymous, overeaters anonymous, all these programs that like are designed to help people who have abusive addiction problems, yet if somebody is addicted 
Unless they're a celebrity. If they're, if they're a celebrity and they're addicted to drugs, they go to like a fancy rehab center. But if you're black and you're addicted to drugs, you're going to either go to jail and get locked up for, for a long time, get, get constantly harassed by police, roughed up, beaten up, shaken down, get taken for rough rides, you know, all those kinds of things. And that's just not the way that we, that's not the way that we want to shape our culture. That's not the way that we want to set an example for society. And I could talked about this last week too. Look, if we're going to have, if we're going to have a state that we look up to, if, if the mainstream mass of people look at the government as being like a benevolent agent of good, which they're not, but if the, if most people look to them to be that, then they should be, you know, theoretically, and ex- they should be the ones who set the tone, who set the agenda, who lead by example, who go, okay, yeah, this is the problem. We're gonna, we're gonna lead by example. But no, instead, what do they do? I mean, we saw this in most. One of the most uh, famous examples is uh, Reagan's Iran Contra. You know, the crack epidemic. Gary Webb wrote a, a book about this and about. The, the CIA trafficking crack cocaine into poor black neighborhoods. A lot of the ways, you know, the, the war on drugs is basically just a continuation of slavery. What's up, Maddie Jester Skulls? Hey, buddy. All right. Maddie just walked in. Finally, I don't know where this thing was going. It's going off the deep end. Just getting, yeah. getting all Rush Limbaugh. Ralph right? said it sounded like you're making love to yourself in here. I was. No, uh, it's been it's been fun. How you doing? All right. Um... I finally Talking got, about the war I fin- on drugs. I finally got fucking cable in- internet back in my life. So, oh, cool! Welcome to the wide world of propaganda. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's, oh. kind, it's kind of perfect. I just uh, walked over listening to "Fuck the Police." Nice. Yeah, I never really listened to it before. Uh, I like that song. Not a huge fan. I don't know. <laughs> I, just... Why were you listening to it? Then? I was just trying. I try sometimes. <laughs> I'm just like, I'll leave this rap song on. Look. uh... I think it sends a really a really good message, you know. Yeah. Fuck those police. No, actually, that's a good thing to, that you brought up here because we're talking about the war on drugs, and we're talking about the benefits of decriminalizing uh, drugs. You know, the, st- the the statistics, people that have good intentions. You know, obviously, there's a lot of bad things that happen, but a lot of it is also coming from the top down. But a lot a lot of times, you know, speaking of fuck the police, look, I mean, like. Policemen are just like people doing jobs. A lot of them have no idea, nor do they care about any of this moral, you know, they don't think, they don't even think about it. It doesn't even enter their mind. All they're thinking about is they got a bunch of buddies they like hanging out with, or maybe they do the same kind of work and uh, they're going to get a good pension when they retire and they'll be able to have some money to take care of their family. The people that are really the ones that are to blame here and I understand the argument that you can blame the, the, the person for, you know, making a decision to volunteer to enter that profession. But that's separate. You know, that's that's a little different. The people that are really the ones that are the offenders, that are the evil doers, like evil, musket, the evil doers, the evil doers, they're, they're the ones that are the guys at the top, the ones at the, at the top, the head, the, the, the ones that are making the decisions, the ones that are involved in passing the legislation lobbying and all that kind of stuff and the the heads of the of the 
of the state and the deep state, you know, on the, on that, the CIA, FBI, you know, all these kinds of, uh, organizations that are involved with, that are, that are, that are for the war on drugs, the ones who are benefiting off of it, they're, they're exactly the same as the, as their counterpart, you know, as like the mirror, the people that they're opposing, the people that are on the other side, you know, the drug cartel, the, the head of the drug cartel in Mexico or Colombia, they're the same people. But then the people that always get fucked and, and, and blamed are the, are the ones who are just working for them, who are just trying to make a living. Yeah, it's like the cartel just makes the profit in a different way. That's all it is. It's, it's just an even exchange. Here's drugs. Here's money. Yeah. Done. Yeah, and they need guns. State makes their money off of throwing people in prison for... It's just, it's just it's the same thing. Yeah, they, they, it's they're, they're it's just but, less of a struggle. It's like we just have to find the people with the drugs, and we get free money. They've already bought. There's no investment. At least the cartel makes an investment. Yeah, does that make any sense? <laughs> they they they. I just went off on a rant. They there. make an investment in their in their community they have or to something buy like the that. Drugs. Oh yeah, right. They got to well yeah. The so the, cost. The, the the government does the same thing. They just yeah. find people with them. Yeah, they they do the same thing. Duh. I think one of the one of the most fascinating things is like. A lot of times, like I'll say, like oh, the government does this or does that. It's not like a, it's not like it's just like the government. Like it's not like one building of people who are like issuing demands and orders. There's like competing agencies within the government that are sometimes private contractors of the government. Uh, it's you know I've referred to, to this before. It's called the deep state, and the deep state is like the contingency of of people that are all kind of dependent upon but also competing with each other and who share similar interests but not necessarily the same ideology. They're, the CIA, FBI, all these agencies and things like that, they sometimes they don't know what's going on. They, they As we've seen before in the past, like they could be opposing each other. They can be competing against each other. So it's not really necessarily coming from just one part of, of the of the government like rogue factions of the CIA are hiring black ops private contractors to smuggle drugs across the border and you know start under sell you know hire undercovers to distribute drugs and things like that in in in, in specific neighborhoods so uh, this isn't just this isn't like wild conspiracy this is what they do this is this is like their job. Their job is to kind of keep keep this thing going. If they <laughs> the war on drugs makes them a lot of money, like I said before, it makes them a lot a lot of money. But it's uh it's just it it puts a lot of people behind bars and it it does a lot of really bad things. So there's a lot of and a lot of the people that are offering like alternatives to this is it's great you know like there's there's a lot of positive alternatives where we can start thinking more about rehabilitation and uh and treatment if we get if we have drugs decriminalized right you can start seeing like when when drugs are illegal you don't know where those drugs are from or what they're made with or who made them if they're legal, you know that stuff it's just like anything else it's just like buying a hamburger like I said before. You know, heart disease is the number one cause of, of the number one killer in America. And we're not we're not locking up people at McDonald's for selling hamburgers, are we? No, no, we're not. And I know that the people the the response to that a lot of people. Oh, come on! 
You tell me a cheeseburger is the same thing as heroin? Sometimes. I mean, it can kill you. Look at fucking uh, fat fuck Jersey. Help me, Christy. Yeah, and he's like the biggest uh, advocate again, right? Me- right meatloaf. Words. I feel like my words. Meatloaf passed today. out on stage the other night. I don't know what he's still he's alive. Okay. Yeah, I, I, know, so, I guess I would have heard the same died, thing, right? Yeah, I kind of got into that with my uh, my girlfriend. She's like, "Oh, I thought Muhammad Ali was already dead." So you would have heard about it though. Like in a in a way, he kind of like was. He was like dead from the public consciousness. Sure. You know what I mean? He wasn't like he was dead from his own consciousness. Well, he had he had some problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think just like this this whole thing, this whole episode that we're talking about here with the war on drugs and just kind of the right to have cognitive liberty. The more the moral issue is is what's important, you know. It's not it's it's you know, the fact that drug that by the fact that drugs can do good things, that they can benefit, that's great. And those those cases should be made. The the fact that like hemp has all these uses and you know, the fact that like I, I just I oftentimes think that like if our culture didn't demonize and make these things seen as being bad, if we could integrate them into mainstream culture, just the way that like religion is acceptable, right? Like you can practice, you can be a Christian, you can be a Jew. It's a little bit harder to be a Muslim right now, but people are mostly open to that being an acceptable form of behavior. Go to church, go to temple, whatever. It's an acceptable form of behavior. It's okay for everyone to know about that and it's okay to have those institutions be talked about and function in the public sphere i can only you know like i'm looking at the future like what would the world be like like if we had drugs if all drugs were legal well we'd be able to you know researchers at at universities like johns johns hopkins and um institute private research institutes like the Hefter Institute and MAPS, they'll be able to have fully, full access to study every single facet of what drugs can do and how they can help benefit humanity. How can we solve the, big, the biggest problems that are facing our world? How can we solve those problems? How can we improve people's lives? Not by force, not by pointing a gun to their face and throwing them in a cage, that's not what's going to happen. Every action has a reaction, you know. It's it's, and a lot of religious people. Um, I'm not really an atheist per se, but I, I I don't know. I believe in something. I believe in something that I think is beyond comprehension that exists that gives life to to all of us and has created everything. And not necessarily a a god, I would say, but. For religious people, I've heard this. The only argument that I've ever heard that made me go, "Oh, that's a pretty good argument," is I think I'm gonna I might mess this up. I think it's Saint Thomas Aquinas, and his argument is called the first mover 
argument. It's the argument that, well, something, you know, everything, every reaction was initiated by something and then has a reaction. So wh- what was the first thing that initiated, set everything into motion? What was the first thing? So if you think about that and apply it to this like war on drugs, yeah, we look at, you know, the average person might look at people and be, oh, these are bad criminals, they're doing bad things. But who's starting it? Who's the one that's that's say, who's restricting the, the personal choices, behaviors, and habits of other people who are doing no harm to anyone else but themselves? And they have the right to do that. And clearly, the opposition opposing people's personal choices and behaviors has a reaction. It, the reaction is, is a constant struggle of good and evil, you know, that, that whole thing. And it's just escalation. It just keeps escalating and getting worse and worse. So the, drug, the war on drugs is a complete failure. Today is the... Um, fucking 45th anniversary of the war on drugs which and i'll say it again like we know was created to criminalize the activities of people who were opposed to the establishment at the time and arrest those people because you can't they couldn't just come on tv and say you know we have to arrest black people and hippies because they oppose the war and they don't serve the agenda of the political class they were like, okay, we got to make a war on drugs because these behaviors that people are engaging in are opening their minds to think of the world in a new way that involves voluntary cooperation, liberty, individual thinking, freedom, peace, voluntary exchange, love. We can't have that. That's not good for business. That's not good for war. <laughs> So that's what that's all about. I mean, that is that is what that's all about. And so it doesn't really matter, you know, how many how much like what what kind of stats we throw out and all this stuff. I mean, it, maybe it does and maybe eventually over time it'll wear away and we'll be able to get the people in government to to make the changes, like maybe that'll happen. But I mean, right now, I mean, essentially anybody that does anybody that smokes a joint, anybody that does a bump of, of cocaine or anybody that eats mushrooms or that takes LSD or whatever, you're, you're breaking the law. You're, you're committing somewhat of a civil disobedience. But you're just proving to, to them that this doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. So eventually until we just need to get the right kinds of, of people in there that understand that, I don't know. Or we just have to sh- all show up on in D.C. and just sit outside and, and trip. <laughs> and just, like, wait for, you know, something. I don't know. I, I And I, when I was arguing, I mentioned before, I was arguing with this guy on Twitter. I said, um, you know, he was telling me, he was like, I, you know, people need to be protected from themselves. Uh, he made that argument, like, people need to, people need to be protected from themselves, right? And I was like, that's the, that is the thing that pisses me off the most 
Like, it is my inalienable right to protect myself. Like, I have the right to protect myself. You don't have the right to force me to protect myself. Like, I'll protect myself. Don't worry about that. If I cause harm to myself, that's my business. But I, I think the people that we need protection from the most are the people who want to use force in order to protect us from ourselves. That's who I'm scared about the most is the people that want to, that, that say that they know what's better for you and that they're going to violently oppose your, your decisions that you're making for yourself. Wouldn't you agree with that, Maddie? Yeah, they're like overbearing parents. Exactly. I'm, I'm a young daughter, and then she goes out and sucks a lot of dicks. And look what America's doing. We're just going out and sucking a bunch of dicks. Is that what you're wearing, Maddie? The, the, the overlords you're... are turning us into whores. Yeah, they are. <laughs> you want to rebel. Exactly. You want to you wanna, you wanna definitely rebel. I mean, it's cool kind of to do that when you're, when you're younger, too. I mean, you're just like opposed to any because in your heart of hearts because you know you're still kind of like a fresh baked human being like out of the oven so in your heart of hearts and your deep down like inner monologue and your in in your core you know like no i'm not gonna listen to you why would i listen why would i listen to another being give me demands and orders to what what i should do with my own life why should i listen to that right I feel like rebellious people also, um, it's not enough to be right. You also have to prove the other person wrong by doing a lot more of it and showing evidence. Yeah, kind of just, well, maybe showing like go, them like... I'll go back to like the sucking dicks theory. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the great sucking dick theory. Overbearing father just tries to convince his young daughter that dicks aren't delicious <laughs> her entire life. And she's like, I'm going to go out and prove him wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's and it's just like a lot of that comes from like paranoia and fear yeah. that they're going to become something that you don't approve of, and and that's really the whole thing is like this, this like this like acceptable like behavior, which is like not. I mean, it's essentially like Nazism. I mean, yeah. Nazis. Did you know Hitler was a was a, a vegan? Yeah, makes sense now, doesn't it? I mean, look, everyone gets clean. One thing you wrong. must be clean, tidy. Everybody shaved. Clean, blonde, white, yeah. vegan. I mean, it's like this sanitized. It's 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 this like this revolt against what we really are. You know, like it's this this book that I I love. I can't speak more about is uh, the denial of death by Ernest Becker. And in the book, it's uh, he makes the case like he's like he's like look like we're essentially human beings are amazing. We're like these these we have these brains that can ponder the infinite and question our own reality and existence and existence and experience consciousness and just expand our minds to, to the infinite scope of, of the universe. But at the same time, we're just a bunch of sacks of meat that shit. <laughs> it's like a cosmic joke. Yeah. It's like, it's like the ultimate predicament. Like we're, we're able to kind of be these like spiritual, like logical, rational, all of this, this kind of mental, rational logical strict like good people but at the same time we're these like hairy kind of like stinking you know like decomposing aging sacks of 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 skin you know skin bags that just excrete 
urine and sweat and shit. And we're just going to be lying in the dirt, having worms eat our bones. Yeah. We're, we're just smart monkeys. That's really what it boils down to. Right. Anytime I figure something out, like, you know, a little puzzle or whatever, and, or just a solution to a problem, I follow it up with a smart monkey. But it's like, it's kind of almost like torturous, though, because every other thing that exists that we know of doesn't know of its own demise. Right, yeah. I we mean, know. Some, some animals are to show that some animals are conscious of themselves, like elephants they, are conscious of their existence but yeah i don't know if they know they die or not. i don't think elephants are walking around going oh no. man i gotta really carpe diem today <laughs> because you know yolo <laughs> no it's yeah. like we are we are well aware of this predicament and it i think it is the driving motivating factor for all of our our downfalls for all of the kind of Nazi-ish ways that people try and control other people comes from the fact that we know that we're going to die. We're afraid of that. We're afraid of our own human creatureliness. We're afraid that we're, we're terrified that we're, we are essentially smart monkeys. We, we deny it. It's like the Orlando shooter, right? Like supposedly was gay. Mm -hmm. Like he, and he, he like had inner turmoil like couldn't face real it's like we can't face the reality of of our predicament so we go around and imposing our will projecting our inner turmoil onto other people you can't do that you can't do this you can't you you tell your daughter you, she can't suck dick you know you can't you tell your your son he can't smoke pot and then that just manifests even larger because we create these like frankenstein institutions that turn on us with good intentions, we create these programs that we think that will shape society. Well, society doesn't get shaped by institutions. And it doesn't get shaped for the better out of fears and paranoia. It gets shaped by spontaneous actions of individuals working together in a voluntary way to have a better life for each other, to live in peace, to enjoy themselves, to have fun, to be happy. That's it. And, that, and that's what we should have. And this, so this war on drugs that we've had for 45 years, I mean, has been a massive, massive failure. And the state is the great evil of our time. They are the ones that uh, are the first movers. They're the initiators. They're the aggressors. They shape and mold the opinion that gets disseminated out into the world via the media because the media is their lapdogs. And then we all get brainwashed by that message or not all of us, but the majority of people get brainwashed by that message, fall into the trap of, of listening to the fear the propaganda, the paranoia. And then they, you know, they want to go around and, and be unofficial spokesmen for the state. And they want to lock us in cages for, for trying to, uh, trying to make the world a better place, I guess, you know, that's what I would say. So, terrible, terrible thing. Just awful, awful thing. Very tragic, very sad. I think we should look to other countries like Portugal that are doing some good things. I think we should look to private institutions and research facilities that are doing wonderful tests and studies on, on drugs, on psychedelics. And, you know, people who have used them 
and I mentioned this before in an episode of part of the problem that I did when we talked about Muhammad Ali's death. And one of the great things about Muhammad Ali was he was a celebrity and an athlete at the height of his career who opposed the state, who said to them, nah, I'm not going to play your game. I'm not going to go to Vietnam. I'm not going to kill people for you. I'm not going to do it. It's wrong. It's immoral and unjust. We need more people in the culture, celebrities, athletes, people like that, Come out, who come out and say, I mean, fucking, fucking, hey, Snoop Dogg. I mean, he's been he's been an advocate for marijuana for years, but it's more than marijuana. We need people that have used mushrooms, LSD, ayahuasca, DMT. You know, to come out and speak out and and be the ones to like lead the way. I mean, Steve Jobs said doing LSD was one of the greatest things that he's ever done, one of the most important things he's ever done in his life. So we need people to come out and say that, share their stories, and help kind of fight back against the prevailing ideology of fear, paranoia, uh, and control. Check out the drugpolicyalliance.org. They are uh, they're pretty awesome. They put out some great stuff. That's where I get a lot of my facts from, uh, the Drug Policy Alliance. And in fact, the other day, Ethan... Um, uh, Nate, what's his name? Nathan Edelman, I think his name is. Let me just make sure I get that right. He's uh, one of the founders, I think, of the Drug Policy uh, Alliance. Went to uh, testify uh, in Congress uh, the other day to try and promote the benefits of uh, legalization and also offer alternatives for um, for people who you know who need help or to be rehabilitated, and like, like I said earlier, like if this becomes a part of the mainstream acceptable culture, I mean, we will see we, we will literally, literally create a new world because the, the the prevailing ideology that comes from the political and media class shapes the culture because we allow it to shape the culture. So we accept it. We accept their ideology and we say, okay, all right, you tell us what to do. We'll give over our rights to you. And like I said before, it starts from birth. So that's what we do. We're always, we're indoctrinated to exist in this way of constantly giving up freedoms, giving up more, you know, for the, under the guise of good intentions and things like that. But if we are able to change this prevailing ideology, if we're able to stand up for ourselves and say, no, I'm a free, independent human being, I'm an I'm a individual, I have my own thoughts and my opinions, my, it's my body, my choice, right? We always hear that from the, the abortion crowd, it's my body, my choice, like, why, why can't I throw a couple tabs of LSD in there? It's my body, it's my choice, it's my mind, you know, fight for mind rights, just the same way that women fought for rights, you know, black people fought for rights, gay people fought for rights, fight for the, the right of your, your, your own mind. And we can re and we can reshape the culture because all of a sudden we'll, we'll see dispensaries popping up. We'll see places where you can go, where you can hang out and, uh, you know, you, do mushroom, a mushroom bar, you know, whatever it is, maybe there'll be some more colorful, art on the streets and things like that. Maybe we'll have churches pop up where people can go in if you want more of a spiritual experience, you know? Maybe children will be educated as to the benefits of what these kinds of drugs can do, you know, what psychedelics can do, what plant medicines can do. If we have more, it starts with education. If we have the education and if we have the encouragement, 
rather than the fear and the paranoia, we can, we can build a new world. We can shape a new world. We can create new modalities of thought that will engineer literal new spaces and our new spaces that we create will inspire us to keep creating more. It's like a feed, like a feedback loop. Um, so just the same way that we have other acceptable institutions within society, like religion, things like that, like, um, you know, bars and, uh, restaurants that serve cheeseburgers. I mean, we can have these places that are under responsible, ethical, self-regulated care places that have ratings and reviews like Yelp, like Airbnb, like this new sharing economy that we've created. And this is the inevitability of what's going to happen. This is the future. And it, it, it's happening. It's just that we have to we have to keep pushing forward. We have to keep fighting. And we have to remember that it's it's up to it's up to the individual. Each individual has to make a choice. And it starts with kind of opening yourself up. Open yourself up to the other side. Understand what the facts are. Understand what, what the numbers are telling you. And then make a decision from there. Don't just listen to what people tell you. Go and make decisions on your own. And I think we can, you know, we can see a better future. Um, well, hopefully we can change the people because a lot of this stuff, unfortunately, is enforced by the government. And we don't like to, you know, hippie kind of psychedelic minded people don't necessarily like to think about this. But I mean, look, the bottom line is that this stuff is, is enforced. You know what I mean? This is, this stuff is, is a big no, no in terms of the state. So they're pointing guns at you. You just don't feel the gun for whatever reason, because you're in the safety of your suburb or you're in your house or you're in your apartment or, you know, you're white. So you're not getting locked up or whatever. But uh, all people should have this right. All people should have the right to cognitive freedom, to mind rights, to, to explore their own consciousness, to put whatever they want to put in their body. It's a moral right. We shouldn't lock anybody up. And if people are addicted and they have problems and they need help, then we should encourage them to seek help and we should have institutions that, that help them. We should have scientists that study uh, the benefits of these things. And uh, I, I think that this is an inevitability. It's going to happen. All right, that's it for the show. Um, I'm pretty. Oh, I think I'm pretty uh, sure that I covered everything that I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, and that's it. So, cool. See you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>